0: How are you? Marvelous. Simply marvelous. It is my privilege and honor to read our scripture this morning from the Holy Word of God. If you would please stand with me. I will be reading from James chapter 1, starting in verse 19 to 27. If you want to follow along, you can. I will be reading in the New American Standard. I mean the NIV. All right. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, and yet, do not keep a tight rein on their tongues, deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this to look after orphans and widows in their distress, and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. May God add understanding to the reading of His Word. Thank you. You may be seated.
1: Well, good morning, church. It's good to, good to be with you. Don't get used to the look. Um, I have a wedding after church. Uh, <laughs> I, I look at you guys, and I want to blend it with you and just be like you. So, uh, yeah, I will be uh, dressing a little bit more, a little, down a whole lot more next week. So, um, Before I get going here, though, for my, uh, my Chinese friend, Sun Ying Fai Lok, you're leaving me hanging here. What do you? What do you, <laughs> Yeah, there's a word after that, but our, There you go. There you go. On this day in in Hong Kong, we would always uh, go out, and uh, this was a very very special day. But I can't imagine them having church on the first day of Chinese New Year. That's a big deal. It's like Christmas, Thanksgiving, everything rolled up into one one big holiday. So it's a big day. And I know I have uh, Chinese friends watching uh, afterward on the YouTube. So that's for them as well. Hey, as we begin our series this morning, uh, we're talking about uh, three things. And what are the three things? What are the three questions that we've been going over? Is Is it kind? And this week, is it necessary? You know, as I begin, I want to talk this morning about, about honey. Honey. When, uh, when we lived in Minnesota, uh, there were a bunch of beekeepers in the church, I think there were 11. And Becca decided that she was going to keep bees. And so she uh, apprenticed with a master beekeeper. She had hives uh, out at this lady's house. And and then she decided that she would bring them to our house and on our property. And uh, she would work with them. And you keep saying, well, what are are, are you doing there, Pastor? I'm allergic to bees. So I couldn't couldn't really be around them, although... uh, when they were, during the summer, there was no problem with them because they were busy doing their thing. And But you took the honey away from them, which was what we did on Labor Day weekend. They did not like you anymore after that. Labor Day weekend, the associate pastor and the worship pastor who also kept peace, would come and they would help Becca take the honey boxes, the boxes that had honey in them, and they would take them to a place where they would be processed and then the, the Becca would bring the honey back. And sometimes she would bring back a five-gallon bucket that would have this much honey in it. Sometimes it would be two five-gallon buckets almost full of honey, and so it just depended on the year. Well, that was just the start. That was just the start once you had the honey because the honey had all kinds of stuff. It had the bee bodies and the wings and wax and stuff like that, and so she'd have to filter out, and she had several different filters. The first one was pretty coarse, and that would filter out the bee bodies and the wings and the pieces of the comb and stuff like that. Then she went to another filter And that would filter out even more. And then there was a really fine filter. The garage needed to be really warm for for that one, for the stuff to go through. But by the time that it was done, what Becca said is she wanted to be just about able to see through it, that it was nice and clear. And man, did that honey taste good. It was really, really good. We put it out on Facebook and just get snapped up like that. We even had honey when we came back from Hong Kong. Beck had stashed some away, and when we came back from Hong Kong, there was still some honey left. And you know, is there anything that tastes as good as fresh honey? I mean, man, think about it. You know, as I think about the filtering process, I think about our words, and as we've been talking over these last three weeks, about filtering our words through those three questions. Is it true? Is what I'm going to be saying next, is it true? Do I know it to be the truth? Is it kind? Is what I'm thinking, is it it kind about that person? Is what I'm going to say, is it kind? And am I the one who's necessary to bring that word to somebody or somebody else? Or is it necessary for me to say something? And that's what we're going to be looking at this morning. Is it necessary? But before I start... Here we go, we have our, our Bible, Bible verses, and for those of you who are visiting with us, you guys get a pass this morning. The rest of you, you guys get to, get to share in with this. We have been learning, and one of my, one of my practices that I want to keep on uh, as we learn, as we go through different sermons this, this year, is to learn a scripture with every single one of these sermons. Put some scripture away in our heart. So this is our scripture for this one. May, okay, why don't we say it together, and then it's going to get a little tougher. Okay, so go ahead. Okay, that was the easy one. Okay, next slide. <laughs> this is why you are visiting with us today. You get a pass. All right, go ahead. Next slide. Okay, why don't we do this? Why don't we just skip this one? Just go to the blank slide. All right. Now let's do it. And, my and I pray, I pray that as we go, as we leave this series today, I pray that this scripture goes deeply into our hearts. It's been interesting to talk with several of you throughout the week. One of, one of the guys I talked to this week was a businessman, and he said at his business, he said they've really been working hard with these three questions because he said several of his, his, several of his employees send emails, and they don't think about what it is they're going to say, or they have conversations, and they don't think about what it is that they're going to say and can be hurtful, and they've been asking these three questions. I had another person talk to me about These three questions around the kitchen table, around the supper table, have really garnered a lot of of conversation. And as we've been talking about this, we've been saying this, this, that these three questions have the potential to change the landscape. To change the landscape of marriages. To change the landscape within families. To change the landscape within a business. And to change the landscape within a church. Because words have power, don't they? Someone said... Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words may never hurt me. That is the biggest lie, isn't it? Because words have the potential to do harm or to do good. We read in the scriptures that it says, um, "Thoughtless words can wound as deeply as a sword, but wisely spoken words can heal." That's Proverbs 12:18. Thoughtless words can wound as deeply as any sword. I don't know of anyone in this room who hasn't been hurt by words. Words that somebody just thoughtlessly said. You know. I wish you had never been born. Why can't you just be as smart as your brother? Look at your sister. Why can't you be as pretty as her? We spent all of this money on you for your education, and now look at what you're doing with it. We had high hopes for you at this this job. We had great expectations. You've let us down. You have disappointed us. And we can go on and on and on. Words that say people say to us just thoughtless. And you know, as I said last week, hurt people hurt people. A lot of times people say those things because that's what they've been learning. Or that's what they were that those are the things that were said to them. But in the same way, in the same way, words that words that are wisely spoken, they can bring healing, can't they? When you come up to somebody and you say something. At the right time, they can be words of healing. My mom talked to me this, this past summer when we, were, when we were living with them <laughs> that um, she was in the grocery store, and there was a, a mom pat, you know, with a shopping cart, and she had three little ones, and they were going all over the place, and this poor mom was at, at the end of her rope. And she's, you know you know, what was she to do? And my mom's watching this and observing this, and she came up to the lady, and she said, how are you doing? And the lady talked to her about all that had happened and some things happened with her husband. And my mom says, can I, can I give you a hug? And the lady gave her a hug and she just started to weep and weep. And then just sometimes, just a simple act. And just a simple word at, at the right time to somebody. A word correctly chosen. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. Think about what it is you're going to say. Think about what it is that you're going to say as well. We read in, in Proverbs 16, kind words are like honey, sweet to the soul and, and healthy for the body. Kind words, words that, that build up. And you know, we, we know as well that that we're, to, we're admonished to be careful of the words that we say. We're called to be careful of the words that we say. And I'm, I'm talking to the church this morning, okay? We're called to be careful with the words that we say. I've been doing this about... Since 1988. And boy, some of the words that come out of our mouth, we read in in Ephesians 4.29. It says, Let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only that which is useful for building the other person up, excuse me, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Unwholesome talk. What does it mean, unwholesome talk? That's everything from things that are crude, that shouldn't be coming from our mouth. He talks in the book of James, he says, can praises and curses come out of the same mouth? He says, they can, but they shouldn't. They can, but they shouldn't. And out of our mouths, words that are unwholesome are also words, not only are they crude, but words that are mean and spiteful. The last thing in the church that we should be speaking to one another are mean and spiteful words. Yeah, you know as well as I do that there have been times things have been said in heat, in a heated exchange. Lord, guard my heart. Unwholesome talk can be gossip. I have seen nothing destroys a church more than gossip. Gossip when it is not dealt with. Gossip when we just allow it to go on. When there is divisive speech. Church, we need to be careful of the words that we say. Words have potential and they have power. They have the power to destroy or they have the power to heal. And there comes a point where it's necessary to say something, and more about that later. We're admonished about the words that we say. But where do the words come from? They come from our heart. Matthew 12, 36 says that that, but I tell you that men will have oh, excuse me. It comes from the heart. <laughs> I missed the scripture. Uh, go ahead to Luke chapter Luke chapter 6 verse 45. It says that words come from but it, the good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart and the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For out of the overflow of his heart the mouth speaks. Where do the words come from? They come from our heart. Why is it so important that as we speak the word, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O God? Because the words that come out of our mouth, they have an origin that comes in our heart. And if what we're putting into our heart is what's wrong, what's going to come out is not going to be what's good, it's what's wrong is going to come out. Eventually it's going to come out. I can remember standing, working at a lumber yard. And I was not walking with the Lord at this time. I was playing the game, would go to church, I was dating, I was engaged to a a Christian gal, but I wasn't walking with the Lord. I I wasn't. And I'm talking with these guys, and my language was horrible. And I look behind me, and there is Becca's father, my wife's father, father father-in-law, my wife's father, my father-in-law. Did I mention that his name was Pastor Ketzel? (laughs) It's like, oh my goodness. What came out was what was being put in me. Nothing script, nothing spiritually was being put into me. So what's coming out of me is what was put into me. And where do words come from? We're admonished to watch what it is that we say. Why? This is now Matthew 12, 36. Because there's coming a day when we'll give an account. It says, "...but I tell you that men will have to give an account on the day of judgment." For every careless word that they have spoken. I'm not looking forward to that. And this should cause us to think about that which it is that we say. Is what I'm going to say, is it true? Is it kind? Is it necessary? Is it going to build the other person up according to their needs? Or am I just talking to hear myself think? When we were first dating, Becca asked me, and I bit this one hook, line, and sinker. She says, you know what your favorite subject is? I said, no. She goes, it's you. That's all you ever talk about is you. You don't ever ask me any questions. And when my son-in-law, who married my, my, when the guy who married my daughter, one of the first times he came to our house, what impressed me the most was he asked my daughter questions about She'd been out dress, dress shopping. Who of us wants to talk as guys about dresses? My mom was a, was a seamstress. I hated going to the dress shop. I hated going to the fabric store. But he said, so what did you buy today? What did you, you look at today? He asked her questions about herself. And our conversations shouldn't be that which tear other people down. It shouldn't be about all about me. It should be what is it that's useful? And not only useful, what is it that's going to be helpful for the other people who are hearing? We're admonished to watch what it is that we say. And therefore, we should guard our speech. It's Psalm 141. It says, set a guard over my mouth, O Lord. Set a guard over my mouth, O Lord. Proverbs 141, verse 3. It says, set a guard over my mouth, O Lord, and keep a watch over the door of my lips. You know, as you think about the, when you start your day, when you start your day, praying that simple prayer, Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. Not everyone is going to be like that to you, but you don't need to respond in kind. You can respond with words that are, are uplifting. You can respond with words that are kind. Set a guard over my, over my mouth. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O oh Lord. Well, slide number two. Everyone must be... <coughs> Where or slide number one where there's a lot of words. Uh, sin is unavoidable. This is Proverbs chapter 19 verse 10. You ever been around some 10 verse 19? You ever been around somebody who's ta 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 ta. Careful, Al. <laughs> uh, where there's lots of words and where it's just you know you're going on and on and on. Watch. Watch how quickly that conversation can go to the place <clears throat> where it ends up in the ditch. <clears throat> where there's many, many words, sin is not absent. But he who holds his tongue is wise. Where there's, where there's a lot of words, therefore we should be quick to listen. Quick to listen. James chapter 1, verse 26 says, if anyone is religious, and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself, and his religion is worthless. If people know, hey, they know that, that you go to that church that's on Erie Avenue, and they know that, or they know that you're a Christian, they know that you're a Jesus follower, and yet the words that come out of your mouth, it's like, whoa, he says this, he says he goes to church over here, but yet this is the way he talks. Uh, Dude, that guy, I don't know. I don't know if what he's saying is really the truth or not. I don't know if I want that. And what does God want? This is a question we've been asking all along. What does God want? What God wants is to be seen in and through our lives. Keep a tongue, keep a tight rein on, on our tongue. Because, and as well, everyone should be quick to hear and slow to speak and slow to get angry. James chapter 1, verse 19. This says, my dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Quick to, to listen. You've heard the, the, the phrase, God gave you two ears and one mouth for a reason. You know? You know? Listen. When I'm working with couples, I will ask them, I'll say, okay, you got five minutes to share your side of the story. And they go, F- five minutes? There's no way that I can share my story in five minutes. I need more time than that. You know how long it normally takes? Two and a half. Two and a half is about all that it takes. I said, trust me, five minutes will be enough for you to share your side of the story and have plenty of time left over. And I tell the other person, whether it's a guy or a gal, I said, now, you need to listen. You need to listen to what it is that they say. That goes in one ear and out the other. Because when that person's finally done talking, and I'll say, okay, what did she say? What did he say? Ah. Uh, this deer in the headlights look. I, 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 I don't know. I say, okay, now, this time, she's going to say it again. But this time, what I want you to repeat back to her is, I heard you say, okay? Guys, if you do that to your girlfriend, to your wife, she will just about fall over dead because it's like, is he actually listening to me? You guys want to make points with your wife, with your girlfriend? This is a huge way. Listen to her. Say, I heard you say this. And it changes the conversation. Because they say, you can't speak. You need to just listen. And now it's your turn to speak. And she's got to listen, or he's got to listen. Listen. Listen to me what, what's being said. Ask clarifying questions. Okay, I heard you say this. What did you mean by it? Instead of getting all angry and all bent out of shape... Because isn't that our natural reaction? Because when we're listening, what are we listening for? How can I? How, how can I counter what was just said? How, you know, what is it that I can? Oh no, no, that's not true. And we're already forming our argument in our head. That's why he says, "Be quick to listen, and slow to get angry." Because boy, we can get torqued really easy, can't we? Very, very easily. He says, "Be slow to anger." But there comes a time. There comes a time when you need to speak. You're having a conversation with somebody. You're over there having a cup of coffee with somebody after church. And the conversation goes in the ditch really fast. They're talking about, you know, uh, Pastor. You know, I just, you know, he, he's a good preacher, but he's not much of a pastor. You know? you know what I'm saying? You know, and I just, he's just not Pastor John. Not in the way that he would have done. I, you know, he wouldn't have done things. Why does he do this? And the conversation goes in the ditch really fast. What do you do? Uh huh. Uh huh. You keep slurping your coffee. Is that right? Is that going to build up the church or is that going to tear down the church? I'm, I'm just using me. Just to, We can tear down people in a conversation, but is there a point where it says that we need to speak up? Okay, this is an all play. Is there a point where we need to speak up? Yeah. Yes. Because if we don't, we continue it on and it's a cancer in the church. Okay, God's doing something here. I'm seeing new people coming here. I'm seeing people coming to Christ. We're seeing people's lives being changed, marriages, God's at work in. Nothing destroys the church faster than when we don't do anything. And when someone is gossiping, when somebody's tearing down, we need to stop and say, you know, wait a second. I heard you say this. Do you know for certain that that's true? You know, oh, yeah. Okay, I heard you say that. But was that, that kind? Was that kind of you in the way that you said that? And, you know, hey, you said that about the person that they offended you. Hey, let's go to that person and let's, let's say that. How often does that happen? I can count on one, one hand with several fingers left over how many times that happens. It doesn't. Why? Do we care? Do we care about the church this is the bride of Christ somebody's trashing my wife It's going to be on them like stink on a skunk you know you don't trash my bride we're the bride of Christ you don't trash the bride and when we allow this to go on the church suffers the body of Christ suffers as a result there comes a time when you need to speak. If Ecclesiastes 3:7 says, "There's a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to speak." So it's time to speak. So what's important there? Timing and motive are everything. Timing and motive are everything. Proverbs chapter 25, verse 11 says a word aptly spoken is like apples of gold in a silver setting." And a man finds joy in giving an apt reply, and how delightful is a timely word. Timing. Timing is, is everything. Some helpful advice along this point. So you notice something in somebody, and, and, and you want to say something to them. When, when, when should I say it, and how should I go about saying something to somebody? Pray, first of all. Are you the person that should say something? And pray and ask God, God, okay, do I have any blind spots in my life? Because it's easy, isn't it? It is easy to find the blind spots in everybody else's life except for my own. And God, are there anything in my life that you need to deal with? The second thing is, when you approach somebody, don't do it when they're exhausted or when you're exhausted. That's the worst time in the world to have a conversation. Set a time and, and meet with them at a certain time. What happens when we're exhausted? I, in my when I former churches, I preached three times on a Sunday morning. Just came out of the third service. We would had a beautiful communion service. It was walking out of the bathroom. Dude comes right up to my face and just gets in my face about, about something that he didn't like, something that I'd said. I was exhausted. I don't know what, what, what was his problem, but it was like all of a sudden my temperature goes up and his temperature goes up, and pretty soon it's like... This is not going anywhere fast. And I said, stop. Let's go to my office. Let's talk. But let's set a time when you and I can talk about this in a rational way. Worked out great. We, we got things settled. I heard what it was that he had to say. He had some valid points. Some points he was off the mark. Well, we had, he had valid points. But when you're going to talk to somebody, set a time. And please, please. Please, when you say that, hey, can I have a cup of coffee with you? Give them the heads up of what it is you're going to speak about. Okay, I say that as a pastor. When I have people say, hey, pastor, you know, early on, pastor, can I, have, can I talk with you about something? Sure, sure, what, what, when do you want to meet? Oh, how about we meet on this day? I had no idea what it was that was going to happen, and then you get your hair parted for a half an hour. Um, tell the person what it is you're going to talk about. Give them a heads up. Because when they start out the conversation, and they say, let me pray before we get started. It's like, oh no, (laughs) I'm in for it now. Let them know what it is you're going to talk about. And the next thing as well, balance the tough with a word of encouragement. Again, it's so easy to find things that are wrong with people. You know, when you've got to talk with your wife, you've got to talk with your husband, which I would encourage you to do. Have those times where you guys can get together. I know it's tough with little kids and our and work schedules, but set a time where, hey, let's, let's talk. But don't do it when they're exhausted. Set a time to where you can both talk about things in a rational way. But as well, balance the tough with the good. If all you're ever coming at with, to somebody is a, is a tough word, guess what? When they see you coming, they're going to run under the chair. and They're not going to want to have anything to do with you. Case in point. A Church in Montana, I was 36 years old when I went there. And when I went to the church, one of the elders took it upon himself that he was the one who was going to kind of keep me walking the straight and narrow. So when I would hear him say, hey, pastor, you got time for a cup of coffee? Sure. <laughs> I realized very soon I, was <laughs> I had done something that I shouldn't have done and he was calling me on the carpet about it. And this went on for a while and what happened with our relationship was this. Because all he ever came at me with was, this is what you need to do better at. It was never, never a word of encouragement. Balance the tough with the good. So after about, I don't know how many years, it, it was just kind of like this. Towards the end of my time there, God did a wonderful work and restored relationship. And he gives me a call up and he says, Pastor, can, you have a cup, can we have a cup of coffee? And I'm thinking, what? I thought I thought things were going good. What did I do this time? And, he, and so he went out for coffee and I'm waiting and waiting, and waiting. And finally I said, Ed, uh, what does he want to talk about? I said, what, what, what did I do wrong? He said, what do you mean, what did you do wrong? He said, didn't do anything wrong. I said, said, why Why'd you ask me that? I said, Ed, for how many years, every time you ask me out for a cup of coffee, it's to tell me what it is that I've been doing wrong. He said, really? I didn't even know that. I said, yeah. He said, no, I just want to have a cup of coffee with you today. Find, I want to find out how you're doing. Balance the good... Balance the tough with the good. Find those things. And this is where when prayer comes in, it's so easy to find the hard things or the the things that people are doing wrong. How can you encourage that person? And how can you strengthen that person? Okay, and so if it's necessary, not only is timing important, motive. Why? Why are you, why do you feel it's your responsibility to go to that person? Why? Why? is your is your intent as the heart is, is your heart's intent to build that other person up, or is your intent to, to set them straight and to let them know that they are under you what's your motive? Is your motive to see Christ lifted up in their lives? Uh, is your motive to see a relationship restored what's your motive behind it? and the last thing is, do you have passport? This is an amazing little piece of paper and I can It's got my visa from Hong Kong and stamps in it from you know all over the place from Thailand and and Cambodia. Had other ones from Mongolia and places like that. You know, it, it lets me in. Is it necessary? Then look at the timing, look at the motive. But do you have passport into their lives? Do they, are you in a relationship with that person that you can say things to them? A friend can put his finger on the faults without rubbing your nose in it, you know? A friend can put a finger on your faults without putting, putting, rubbing your nose in it. I've been talking for the last three weeks about, you know, and I'm new here, so if you guys are visiting with us, uh, I, I'm new here, and one of the things I've been really talking about is a small group. we got a big group here on Sunday morning. We have smaller groups that meet throughout the week. And we need to be in smaller groups. Why? Because in smaller groups where there is more accountability that's going on there. There are people who know you, people who care about you, people who are praying for you, who know what, you know, and people who love you. Here on, on Sunday morning, we come in and, and we know some people, but we don't know them in a, in a deeper way, in a way where these people, hey, these people really care about me. But then there's an even deeper relationship. And guys, this is the one that I've been harping on for the last several weeks, that we need to have someone in our life who'll put a finger in our chest and will ask us the really tough questions. Because men were really good at hiding things. Really good at hiding things. And when we're confronted with something, a man's first reaction is this. He will downplay it. Oh <laughs> I wasn't looking at the on the internet that many times. Oh, really? Let's go back and look at the history. A man's first reaction is to downplay it's not as bad as what it was, as what it seems, when in reality it is. Do you have that guy? I have a pastor friend in Montana. We've been, uh, he's been my accountability partner for a number of years. He has passport, and he can ask me. He can say, Joel, your attitude stinks right now. Or I can say to him, Paul, um, right now your, 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 your attitude towards that person in this situation it's wrong. And he hears it. You know, it. It says in Scripture that wounds of a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Wounds of a friend. And when I, when I think about that, King David, 2 Samuel chapter 11. King David, it says, in the time when, when kings go off to war, where does King David stay? He stays at home. He's walking around at night, and what does he see? Wow, there's a gal out there, and she's taking a bath. And instead of walking away, he does what? He says, who is that gal? And he says, that's Bathsheba, the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Now, who's Uriah the Hittite? He's not just some schlep. He's one of David's mighty men. There were like 30 of these guys that hung around David. He's one of the mighty men. Not only is that the case with Uriah, but David's counselor, the one that when he needed wisdom and advice, is a guy with a tongue twister of a name by the name of Ahithophel. Ahithophel is Bathsheba's grandfather. This gal is just not, she's not a nobody. And it says, he sent for her. He sent for her. That word comes up 11 times. And in Hebrew, whenever something's mentioned again and again and again, it's there for emphasis. And David, not only does he commit adultery with her, he has her husband, Uriah, murdered. And Uriah literally takes his own death sentence back to, king, back to Joab, the, the commander of the army. And David goes into full-on on hiding mode and, and hide what it is that he's doing. And he thinks, nobody knows. Hey, the whole palace knew about it. How could they not? David is in the process of hiding. And then in chapter 12 starts out with these words. God sent. God sent Nathan to David. See, God doesn't let us hide. And there's a time when things need to be brought out into the open and need to be spoken in our lives. A time when it's necessary. Nathan shares the story. He says, there were two guys. One of them was a shepherd who had hundreds of sheep. The other was just a simple shepherd, and he had one sheep. He said it was like part of the family. He said, you know, he grew up with him, drank from his cup, slept in his bed. And when somebody came to this rich man who had lots of sheep, instead of killing the one that he had, he takes the one from the man who only had one. And he slaughters that one. David, ever the shepherd, he says, that man deserves to die. And the old King James, I love it, it says, thou... Thou art the man. You are the one, David. You talk about having to have some strength to say something. This is the king that he's talking to. But when he heard it, what was his response? We read his response in Psalm 51. David is cut to the absolute quick. Wounds of a friend. Wounds of a friend can be trusted. Do we have that person in our lives that we trust? That When they speak into our lives, you're right. It takes great grace to speak truth to a friend, to share truth with a friend. And it takes even greater grace to receive the truth. It takes great grace to receive the truth. Guys, ladies, do we have somebody in our lives who can speak truth into our lives? Now, I get it. Some of us are introverts. Okay? I, I'm an introvert even though I'm up here on Sunday morning. I'm, I'm an introvert. And it's easy for us to say, well, I'm an introvert. I don't think it lets us off the hook. I think we need to have those people in our lives that will lovingly speak words of encouragement, but will, when necessary, also speak those words that need to be said. Honey. Is there anything as good <coughs> on a fresh hot biscuit than butter and honey? Mm. No. <laughs> Sacrilege. Sacrilege. No, 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 no. Your wife makes a, makes a loaf of bread and you cut that first loaf and the thing is steaming. You put the butter on it. It just melts all over. And the next thing to follow it up is, is with some honey. Is there anything sweeter than that? Is there anything sweeter than when the body of Christ does what it's supposed to do? And treats one another in the way that it's supposed to treat. You talk about attractive. Hey, arise church. When people see this happening here. Katie bar the door. There's not going to be enough cheats in this place to hold it. Because what people are looking for is authenticity. What people are looking for is honesty. And people who truly, truly care about me. And are willing not only to speak the words of encouragement. But are also willing to speak in love. And lovingly, words that are tough as well. It is necessary. But are you the one to do it? And that's the question we need to ask. And so as we go back to Becca's filters, three filters that I leave you with as we leave this series is this, the first one. It's under, is it true? Okay, I'll just say it. Is it true? If I don't know that it's not absolutely the truth, then I will not share it. Okay? If I don't know that it's absolutely the truth, then I will not share it. If I can't share it in a way that's kind, then I'm not going to share it. If I don't know that it's kind and I can't share it in a kind way, then I won't share it. And lastly, is it necessary that I share this truth? And if it is, then God give me the grace to do it. And is this going to benefit the one who hears? And will it be helpful for building that person up and building the church up as well? Filters. Would you say it with me one more time as we leave this series? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. These three questions have the potential to change the landscape. To change the landscape of a family, the landscape of a marriage, the landscape of a business in the landscape of a church. What does God want? He wants to be seen. And He wants to be heard. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in Your sight, O Lord, my rock and my Redeemer. So what are you going to do with this? Because it's easy to hear it in the moment. But my deepest prayer for you is that It becomes a part of the fabric of our lives. It's already become a part of you. But now we leave this series and we're going to be moving on. Next week's a one-off and in a couple weeks we start up in Psalm 23. Well, my deepest prayer is that this isn't just a one-off sermon series. But it becomes a part of our lives. And I would challenge you, for the next several weeks as you sit down to supper... Just say this verse. And as you're talking, as husbands and wife, with your children, boyfriend, girlfriend, if, some, if the conversation's starting to go in the ditch, say, whoa, 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 whoa. I, I, is that kind? Is that the truth? Is it necessary? Let's let God be honored and glorified in our lives and in the church our business, in the school where we're at. Let's allow him to be seen. Amen? Amen. Father in heaven, thank you for the word today. And God, thank you that um, you've already been at work in many of our lives throughout this week and throughout the weeks. And I pray and I ask that God that you will continue to work Lord, the enemy wants nothing more than to destroy this church. You brought us here for a reason. You made us part of this neighborhood for a reason. And the last thing the enemy wants in in this neighborhood is the light of Christ to be seen. And he would love to allow our church to be a place where there's bickering and gossip and where we tear people down and people leave in a huff. Lord, you desire for us to be a light on a hill. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would do your work in a powerful and a mighty way in and through our lives. I pray that, God, you would foster within us a love for one another. Warts and all, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where we come from. It doesn't matter what we've done, but we will choose to love and we will choose to allow Christ to be seen in and through us. And God, I pray that you would guard our speech and you would guard our hearts. That we would speak in ways that are loving and kind. In ways that build the other person up. I pray for businesses. As these concepts are being spoken in a a business. And the landscape of a business begins to change. Change. And people begin to ask questions about about the God that we serve. As the landscape of a marriage begins to change and children begin to notice that mom and dad, they, they don't yell as much at each other. Dad doesn't throw things as much as what he did and stomp out of the house. Mom doesn't shut down for days at a time. And they actually look like they love one another. God, I pray you change the landscape of, of marriages and families. And I pray even that, God, you'd begin to change the landscape of Sheboygan. Sheboygan Falls and Howard's Grove and Cedar Grove. That, Lord, you'd be seen and you'd be lifted up. And I pray, God, great blessing over each one here today. Over each one who hears the words over the YouTube. May your word go deeply into our hearts and lives. That they will honor you and bring glory to you. And I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. May the Lord bless you. It's been good to be in the house of the Lord today. It is an honor and a privilege to be your pastor. And I bless you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. His word says the Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace. I bless you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ with the strength of God and with the peace of God. No matter what you may be facing, he's in your corner and he's with you. And I pray that blessing in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen, amen. Have a great week. We'll see you next week.